Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, March uh, 22nd, 2023. We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer and we'll begin. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And we thank you for those who have joined us this evening. We pray for each family represented, also the extended families of Word of Truth Christian Church. We also pray, Father, for those who are sick among us, those who are struggling. Uh, in fact, uh, Deborah comes to mind. Pray for her as uh, she's recovering from surgery today uh, in the family, Mike's family. Uh, we, we also, Father, ask as we open your word that you would give us wisdom. Help us understand the, the, the subject at hand. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So we have been studying in the book of Romans, chapter 12. We're still on verse 2. Verse 2, you should have some notes, uh, says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we continue our worship subject, Paul gives us more description of what God requires. We will hear from God in these verses about what we should be doing after salvation. God has a plan for our lives and our first goal is to, quote, find out what pleases the Lord, unquote. That's Ephesians 5, 10. We need to take our time with these verses because they describe the motivation for our walk. So we're getting into it. Um, so this is a long verse. There's a lot of uh, moving parts here. And I hope you see that. Uh, we didn't even get to the part where then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We didn't get to that, that phrase or series of phrases yet in our notes. So I started talking about truth last time. So we're going to move down to point number three in our notes. Um, this is why uh, I'm just going to move into point C for some review of what we were talking about. 3C is where we are. Why can a caterpillar transform into a butterfly? Because this is what is inside. We, we spoke about this. And we, we talk about who, who we truly are. What God, and and what, who we truly are is what God has made us, or of us. He called us to be in Christ before time began. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So who we are was designated by God. It was planned, and we were called specifically. We were elected. These are all words that are used biblically of us. Predestined. And one day, we're going to have that transformation. Our outward appearance will be just like that butterfly. We will receive our resurrection bodies. And we will, when, when people look at us, they will think of Christ because we are part of who he is. And it will also reflect on God's eternal purpose. So just think about the transformation process as we are thinking about. We said the transformation, the word, has to do with the outward appearance. But the way we are transformed on the outward is by the renewing of our minds. It is important, as we think about this metaphor uh, of the caterpillar, it's important that we take the time to bring the what is inside out. And that's what we're working on by the transformation process. It's, it is what is true of us. D. What can change 
the outside expression, and we covered that. The only way it is by the renewing of your mind. And then we read Matthew 23, 26. What did that say again? Matthew 23. It, oh, it's talking about the Pharisees, right? Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. Then the outside will also be clean. So that part, <clears throat> that scripture, is how God works. Remember, he looks at the heart. We look at the outward appearance. So if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's going to be according to what God wants us to be thinking on the inside. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So that, that thinking on the inside will transform us on the outside. Point E, we are born conform to the pattern of this world. However, God called us to be in Christ. So, uh, even though we're in Christ, uh, and God chose us to be in Christ from before time began, before the creation of the world, we came in this world through Adam. We didn't come in Christ. We had our uh, entire being uh, lock, stock, and barrel in Adam. I just will read um, Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit was now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them. Notice, who's them? The people in the world. We're different from the people in the world. Even though we were the same at this point, all of us lived among them at one time. What were we doing? Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. We were being drug around by the sin nature. Like the rest, the rest of humanity, Even notice the difference between us and the rest of humanity. Like the rest... We were by nature deserving of wrath. All of us were in the same boat at one point. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So this is <clears throat> this is how it all happened. Where How did we get on on board where when we go back to Ephesians 1 4 it says for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves so um we're already conformed. Our, com our being conformed to this world is uh, where we started. That is our experience. So we have to understand uh, what God has called us to be. Because so, what happened, because of what God did, is not true of us anymore. The world, this experience that we gain from going through, uh, being drug around by the sin nature, in Adam, spiritual death, all of that. That is not who we are. But that is how God brought us on the scene. So, point F, point F, renewing of your mind. The first thing to consider is what's in, what is in our minds. Somebody told you to to renew your mind, you have to start thinking about what needs to go. What is it that the Holy Spirit, and we know it is the Holy Spirit who uh, works with us to renew our mind, because we wouldn't know what to renew our mind to. How would we know what to do? God, the Holy Spirit, has to lead us in this renewing process. He's, he's the agent at this, uh, for this dispensation uh, when it comes to uh, bringing us into the knowledge 
the full knowledge of the truth. So there's here's some things to consider about what is on the inside, and I listed two, three of them here. And as I said last week, these things are often, they overlap. There are things here that uh, kind of cross over one to another. So, so culture, these are things, a general term for the ways of this world. The social norms and standards learned from living in this world's societies. So when I think about the, the definition of culture here that I have, a general term for the ways of this world. It's interesting where God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. So the ways that we have come from the thoughts that we are taught or the experience that we have in the world, but the ways deal with our culture. They form culture. God's saying his ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts and ways higher than yours. So two traditions, what is learned from specific locales, societal ways, practices and customs, uh, sometimes secular or religious. So traditions, you will see people in different locales have different traditions. So we do. Uh, we talk, I spoke about some of the holidays we have are traditional for the U.S. Other places have holidays specific to their region. And, and that's a thing that we all grew up with. We've learned. Look at Christmas as one people have learned. Uh, that's a tradition. And there's nothing wrong with culture and traditions. And this is not to say we, we're going to condemn these things. But these are things that are in us that God has to renew. Right? We, he has to show us. But, we, but if we ask, well, what's in us? Uh, culture, traditions, and then we get to this third one, which is religious training. What may be learned about God and how to respond to God, and that is worship. If we want to know what is worship, well, our culture and our traditions and often our religious training have dictated to us what true worship is. At least we say true worship, but worship according to what they have taught us. So, as I said, this, we all grew up somewhere. God is not saying you, we ought to go around condemning people's traditions and culture. In fact, it says in the Bible, it's tradition to whom tradition is due. Give them the respect, right? He's not saying that we are coming to change traditions and cultures. Right? We find people where they are, and then... The God, through the Holy Spirit, works to renew the mind. But religious training is very interesting because it dictates to us who God is. A person may have grown up in an Islamic country, and obviously that would affect the culture, the traditions, and certainly the religious training. What would they have been taught about God and how to worship God? All of that would be very different from what you here on this call would have learned in this country being in a non-Islamic family. So just, just as an, using that as an example. But So religious training is big because they're telling you about God. And it may not be according to the word of God that they are teaching. So this, is, uh, this, is, this may come into conflict with the renewing of your mind when it comes to your religious training. Now, all of us have had religious training, whether you've had it or you've been taught to not to have it. In other words, let's say you've been taught from an atheistic standpoint. Well, that's teaching as well. That's, those are things that we have come to believe if that is what we, where we came from. So it's not surprising that these things would be out there. Uh, religious, religiously speaking, uh, people learn about God or 
they learned that God, there is no God. This is what they learned. Or they learned evolution, and that's how their worldview is with respect to understanding, who, you know, the, the subject of God. So, so this, is a, this is big in the minds of every person that's living on planet Earth. They have dealt with the question of God in some way or another. That is every uh, person who is able to think. And then, let's, let's keep going in our notes. <clears throat> Point G. What is in our mind are the things we are accustomed to, things we love or hate, things we accept or reject, as truth from those we respect in the world. A couple scriptures here, Luke 12, 51 through 53. Let's look at that one first. Luke 12, 51 through 53, says, Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five and one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. There's <laughs> a pretty good description on what it means to be divided there. And what the thought is, why are they divided? So that goes to back to 51. Do, do, not, do you think I have come, I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. So where does... Where does this division come from? It comes from Christ. Christ is saying that people will react to him in different ways. Some will believe, some will reject. And because of this, <clears throat> it will be a division even in the family. Right? That's how, how uh, serious this is. It will disrupt family relationships saying, you know, now, of course, the context of this is the Jewish family. And when Christ came to his own people, his own people did not receive him. Now, not everybody did, rejected him. There are some who did believe. To as many as did believe, as it says in the next verse, in verse John 1, 12, that is, he gave the right to become children of God. And so there were some who believed, and there's some who did not believe, but there was sharp division among Christ. Uh, when we think about who he is and his cl the claims of Christ, there was sharp division among the Jews. Now, of course, this can be true in Gentile family relationships as well. They can be divided over Christ. There's no doubt about it. And uh, it is a very tenuous subject when you think about it. So, then just move over to 14, 25, and 26, same chat, uh, same Luke, 14, 25, and 26. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his hate father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, it didn't say such a person cannot be saved. Just note, such a person cannot be my disciple. In other words, if you're going to be a follower, a student who is under discipline to Christ, then these are some of the things that could happen. Now, again, in the Aramaic language, these things are spoken of, and the extreme is part of their language, the idiomatic use of their language, was to speak of things in the extreme so that people would truly get the point. Like, uh, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right arm offends you, cut it off. You know, these are terms that are highly exaggerated in order to make the point. That was very uh, common in the Aramaic language. So we see it here, right? Hate your father or mother and so forth brothers and sisters. Now, you don't actually have to hate them. Right? What it's saying is, if you prefer them over Christ, then what he's saying is, no, 
you should uh, you prefer Christ over them and the Christ teaching even if your family does not follow you follow Christ that's what he's saying and you cannot say well you know my, my family here is important I, I can't follow Christ no you have to follow Christ is what he's saying if you, if you want to be my disciple if not you cannot be my disciple that's what Christ is saying he's he's exacting allegiance for those who would follow him and be his disciples H even though we look like everyone else in the world we are to be transformed into what God called us from eternity past so so just like I said we came into the world like everybody else a lot of our thoughts and customs and traditions are like everyone else's but when we come to understand that we have been called before time began it should have an effect on who we are we are those who are a part of this new creation and I, I like I used to when I was a kid, I, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I used to watch Popeye the Sailor Man. I know nobody here probably did that, but uh, there was a phrase that he used to say that went way, that lived way beyond the, the silly show that was there. He would say, I am what I am, that's all that I am. You know, he would say it in his, uh, his accent. But I am what I am. And, and that is what we are. We are what we have been called to be. That's so you might look at yourself and say, I'm not different from anybody else. I don't I don't think I'm different than anyone else. It's because God did the heavy lifting where He, he made us something different. Now the transformation of thinking so that we can orient to what God has made of us. Where is the is what's going on right now? That's the process that's going on. We call it the transformation process. Now, of course, we won't be truly transformed until we get our resurrection bodies. But God gives us an opportunity to renew our minds so that we can worship him. This is what true worship, this is your, your, your true act of worship which is to have your mind transformed. So you can think according to what God did in eternity past, before time began. And there's even a verse that says such in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. Here it is before time began. So he didn't just he didn't just say to us, "Oh, I'm declaring that you are uh, the new creation in Christ." No, he, he understood. God when he declared who we were in Christ, it included what thinking would be in Christ. Not only who we are, but our purpose how to execute that purpose, how to, even though we haven't been through the full transformation, in other words, we don't have our resurrection body, Christ's mind can be in us now. We can begin to enjoy the fruits of Christ's labor. So it is not necessarily our labor because the mind of Christ is the resurrected, glorified mind of Christ. Right? Like that's why it says in Romans 6, 3, it says that we might walk in newness of life. And that word newness is kainos new, meaning never before seen new. This new, that is this transformation is this newness that orders our walk. So that's the thought. Uh, we're, we're still in point H here. We look like everybody else, but really um, we're not like everybody else. There's something different about you, and you may deny it, may walk around thinking you're like everyone else, but eventually, <laughs> time's going to come when, uh, when I say you, I'm talking about you who are saved in this particular age. That's what I mean. I don't mean just anybody. 
I'm talking about those who are in this age and are saved by grace. Yes, you belong to Christ. That is your destiny. Can't change it, even if you wanted to. That is that is the deal. Uh, let's look at point I. How are we to be transformed? We got to talk about it. We already talked about the things that could possibly go, especially when it comes to religious training, because we can't think in terms of religious training when we were spiritually dead. You know, whatever was taught us, as far as religious training is concerned, in Adam comes from a position of spiritual death. So obviously it's not like what God told us, because what God has to re First of all, he, we're saved. God doesn't ask us to renew our minds before we're saved. All he asks us to do is follow the Spirit's teaching as he reveals Christ. And when we see Christ, we can put our faith in him. We can trust in him for our soul's salvation. So that is the process. Then we start the process of renewing our minds by the Holy Spirit. So, so this, is, <clears throat> this point I is important when we talk about how are we transformed. Right? It can't be religious training. We we gotta X out religious training because it was it was it was all that was learned in spiritual death. And by the way, spiritual death is separation from God in time. Literally. Separ so you can't know about who God is when you're separated from God. And the 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 term used is dead. You were, as far as God's concerned, you were dead. Right? And so that's why he told Nicodemus. I'm sure Nicodemus wanted to talk about something else. I, I don't think that was the agenda on his mind when he came and wanted a meeting with Christ. So, so <laughs> Christ says, you must be born again. Nicodemus, I'm sure he stood up straight or wherever. He said, what? Born again? What, what do you mean, born again? What? Where does that come from? And then that... Where, it's where Christ took him. He took him to salvation and told him about the new life because born again means you're dead. Nicodemus, you, what do you want to talk about? I know you're very religious and you got a lot of things on your mind, but right now you're spiritually dead and you need to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. So, that, so point I is how we do it. How can we do it after... How can we orient? How can we orient to this new life that we're talking about? God called us to from eternity past. How can we orient to it? It's by the truth. Your word is truth. So the whole verse says, "Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth." This is John seventeen seventeen. We're in point I. So this, this is to say, the tr we're going to have to define what truth is. Because if we're going to be renew our minds, it's going to be renewed by the truth. And where's this truth? What is this truth? We've got to talk about that. But your word is truth. So the word of God is the truth. Uh, I like what it says here in Romans 16, 25 and 26. Let me read it because it gives it in the proper order that we need to think about. 1625, now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. Now here it is. Paul is saying two things are important. This is the same thing as 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, where he says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. He wants all men to be saved and to come to a full knowledge of the truth. But here, he's saying that, uh, he, he's saying that people could be able to, uh, him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. And he, he explains what his gospel is, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is that? Uh, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery, hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. So there it is. 
we now have these two verses really explain when we give the gospel people are not going to be just gentiles when we're if they believe in christ they're not going to be gentiles they're not going to be jews in part or part of israel they're going to be in the church this is the new age the new dispensation there is no wiggle room here you don't get to say well i'm, I'm believing in christ but i'm the jew for jesus you can say that if you want yeah i know and there are jews that say that but that's wrong because in Christ, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile in the body of Christ. We are a new creation. We've been called in him before the creation of the world. And no Jews are in Christ. No Gentiles are in Christ. Only the church. And we got to learn about who we are. That's why we got to renew our mind according to the truth about us. And so those verses, I could have threw 1 Timothy 2, uh, 2 and 3, or 3 and 4 in there. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. I could have threw that in there as well. But there's a lot of verses that we could have thrown in. Point uh, J. Point J. Transformation is sanctification. Now, the church at large, when I say the church at large, I'm talking about a lot of churches and even theology use the word sanctification. But I just want to clarify, transformation is sanctification for us. It's the same thing. And so people use sanctification, but it's more like a general term. They'll talk about being conformed to Christ, walking like Christ, learning how to grow up in the spiritual life. All that's true in a general sense. But what I'm saying is, is the transformation process isn't just about us being better citizens or being more moral. It is specific information that we must adopt. Remember I said, we might look like everybody else, but we're not like everyone else. When it says he chose you in, in him before the foundation of the world, he didn't choose everybody. He chose you. So there's, it's a specific calling that we have. It's not for everybody. Everybody wasn't born in this age, and God selects and gives life to everyone who was born in this world. He's the one who, choose, who chose to have me be born in this particular age. It was all designed before time began. So the wisdom that we have, the thinking that we have, all that before time began. It was designed especially for us in this age. So when we talk about transformation, it's okay to use the word sanctification because this is what the Christian world knows. They know the word transformation too, but what they major in seems to be non-specific, general terms and general meanings. They don't go into the detail and the specificity of what transfer. What are we being transformed into? Uh, they'll just talk about morality or a better witness or you know and all that. But you know we'll be blessed because we we have you know we've learned how to walk. Uh, as, as Christ walked when he was here. and you know, It's more general. They don't talk about the mystery. They don't talk about the new age information that is about us, that's supposed to help us orient to our calling and who we are in Christ. All, none of that is discussed in any great detail. It is more, let's go back to the Mosaic Law. Let's teach you how... How, uh, what happened in Israel, and on and on. So point K, we have a guide to show and influence us to believe the truth. So it's, this is John uh, 16 and 12. So it's, we, we don't have to fend for ourselves here. We, our coming to the knowledge of the truth could be a massive undertaking. It could be. Because how in the world are we going to understand 
things that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard or entered into the heart of man. How can we possibly know these things? We cannot. We would be stuck in trying to investigate things that we have no orientation or understanding about. But God has given us the spirit of truth. I love the term. Christ calls him the spirit of truth. And without him, you can't know truth. You can't. And when we say truth, don't confuse it with uh, Old Testament information. Remember, the truth that we're talking about was hidden from the Old Testament. It wasn't part of what they, they received. The re it's revelation. It's not the same revelation. God didn't just give Paul the revelation of Israel. He's given Paul the revelation of this new purpose of God this eternal purpose of God called the church. So he says, I have much more to say than you say to you, more than you can now bear. 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So I'm putting 6, 12, and 13 on here. Obviously, on, my, on our notes, we don't have but 12 but should be 12 and 13, the thought is we have a guide. A guide who knows the landscape. Who, he understands, like it says in 1 Corinthians 2, but the Spirit uh, knows the, the mind of God. He knows the deep things of God. He knows exactly these things, and he is the one who has been uh, commissioned to guide us into all truth. That's important. God didn't leave us to ourselves to figure it out. We didn't need the Mishnah or some Talmud to say, well, let's come together and decide what we think it is, and then we'll write it down. God, the Spirit of truth, is here on the earth right now. He's in the hearts of every believer. We, we know there's the indwelling, there's the filling, there's the gifting, the empowerment, the baptism of the Spirit, and um, the filling of the Spirit. All of these things are part of the ministries of the Holy Spirit to us in this age. And Jesus is saying part of his job, his role, is to orient you to the New Age information. He's not going to orient you to Israel because that wouldn't be that wouldn't be fitting. So why should we have our nose in Israel and trying to be the Holy Spirit? That's a contradiction. Is when the Spirit's trying to lead us into all truth, and you got your nose and and firmly in Israel. It's a contradiction. The Holy Spirit is has one thought, one purpose, and one mind, and that is to lead us into all truth, the mind of Christ which we were chosen in him before the creation of the world. So we're going to talk much more about the spirit of truth. This is point number four. Uh, we're going to quit soon. I know we have some opportunity for some Q&A, but uh, I'll just quickly get to where we're going, and then we'll, we'll stop shortly here. The spirit of truth is our agent in the transformation process. This is point number four. He is our agent. He is, I call him, he's our communications liaison. But without, when I say he, God has dispatched him, without him, we need him. Otherwise, we would not know this information that has been revealed to us. So point A, we discussed what information should be renewed, right? Now we must discuss what information should replace it? What should we be filled to understand? Now look, we learned the ways of this world, the customs, the thinking of this world. Whether, whether we were coming from a Jewish or a Gentile perspective. And when we say a Gentile perspective, that encompasses many races of people, many cultures, many traditional norms and standards. So. The Spirit is going to show us something that is different from all of that. 
And I'm not saying, uh, again, uh, don't, we're, we're not to condemn anybody's traditions or their culture, right? But when it comes to religious training, we definitely have something to say because now we're talking about their view of God in spiritual death. So we will definitely have something to say. It's just like Christ telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. <laughs> right, we'd, we'd have something to say as well. So we got to discuss now what we are going to renew. What are we going to put in? So if we're talking about taking something out, what are we going to put in? And point B is truth. That's what we're going to put in. We should define what truth is and is not for us. We're going to stop here. We'll come back next week and we'll go through this. And we still have this last phrase to talk about in this hefty verse, which says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, you want to do the will of God, you got to know the will of God. You can't just say, I'm, a, I'm going to do it without knowing it. That comes first. So stop. Whatever you're doing, just stop and let's let God tell us what pleases him. All right, for now, we're going to pause. We'll come back to this thought next week and uh, we'll continue. But we will stop and see if there are thoughts out there questions, ideas, anything we discuss, whatever you want to talk about, the floor is open. All right, so... Sounds like we are all quiet at this point. Maybe thinking about what we already talked about. So we can give you some time back. Don't let me do all the talking. But if so, if not, I will, we're going to close. I just want to read the first point that we're going to start talking about next week. It says, for all, truth is revelation of God, whether it be creation, Old Testament, New Testament information from the invisible God. So there is a general way we can look at truth in Scripture. There's no doubt about it. There's a general understanding about truth. Because look, the revelation of the Mosaic Law, you know, was truth. Is the invisible God revealing himself. And what, it, what he reveals is truth. But we got to see, and we're going to get to, what is specific truth. And you know, it's just, you know, getting off the surface of things. And that's what happens in Christianity. The more off the surface you get, the more you are being led into all truth. I used to use the example of the little girl is riding with her parents in the car and they see this big towering building she says what is that building and the father says it's a bank and the little girl looks at it and says a bank okay a bank and then as she's a little older she, she, she wants to know well, well I see it's a bank but what do they do in that building dad now he has to go a little further. Well, you know, in there, they, you can save your money. Uh, also, you know, it's, you know, if you need write checks, you can use checks and give it a whole process. And she says, oh, okay, all right. Then as the little girl gets older, she's not even little anymore. She's getting older now. She says, is that all they do in that bank is just write checks and that's it? Save money? No, they actually invest your money. They do all kinds. There's all kinds of instruments of financial uh, where you can invest and earn interest and all kinds of things where you can even invest in the stock market and they do investments all over the world. So, but, so, so you look at that big building and you think, wow, there's a lot going on in there. A lot of offices, a lot of office space. There's a lot 
on it's more than just a bank. There's a lot under that. And the same way, way we think about Christianity, we can talk about the things on the surface. And it depends on what we can talk about, depending on the level of spiritual growth of the person we're talking to. The more deep we can go, the more intricate that person must be able to understand. We can't rush it, but we there's a lot more to talk about than what we... Um, but we, we do a good job here getting into the deeper things of God. I'd say we do. Uh, so, But that is, there are levels of information that God has for us. I mean, listen, if you're bored in any way, then uh, it's not because God doesn't have more to tell you. Maybe more. It may be because you... Uh, are not ready for the more that he has to tell you. Uh, So if you have humility, God is ready to pour into you as much as you want. That's where it is. I think Dwight coined it. This information is not on a need-to-know basis. It is on a want-to-know basis. So... All right, we'll pause again. We'll come back to this next week. We'll talk a little bit more. And we'll uh, also frame up that last part of uh, the verse. I don't know if we'll get through it all, but that's okay. We're not in a hurry. I will pause again and uh, see if there are any thoughts out there. And, And if not, we're going to close. that I coined, I think it was one that I repeated. I heard him repeat it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm crediting you with it at this point. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but, the humility I will accept. <laughs> yes. I, I, I thought I said that, but I, I just remember you saying it as well. So, And I might have said it when, you know, thinking about how the army has security clearances and there's higher security clearances and top secret and so forth. And, you know, information is not just given to everybody who wants it or who just joins the army. You know, it's, there are levels of information, but that is the case. I, I still think you, you had a lot to do with that forming of that anyway. <laughs> In any case, okay. Yeah, I also just want to note that, um, you know, the transformation process may sound simple. You read through the verse and, oh, just just realize who you are in Christ. Um, But I find that often the the word I'm looking for as far as delving into um, the scriptures about who we are it's not just dabbling them, it's not just staying on the surface, it's getting saturated with them. Yeah. It's, it's um, you know, the, the, what, we, what we've been brought up with in this world can be overwhelming, and sometimes it will take overwhelming exposure to the truth to overcome it. True. True. Yeah. You know, I find it's not only... Not only that, but it's also painful. Um, you know, we talk about what, what's in us. You know, uh, point G, 3G says, what is in our mind are the things that we are accustomed to, things that we love and hate, things we accept or reject as truth uh, from those we respect. It could be our family, mother, father, you know, told us these things. And wow, you know, we, we revere those truths. And if somebody comes against it, we feel personally um, offended by that. So the thought is, is yeah, for us to trust Christ here in this means we will, we will have to relinquish some of those things that we have, that we have accepted as truth. And sometimes that's painful because things that are in our hearts, our, our center, are who we are. We have given ourselves to these things. We trust these things, and they become part of who we are. And then, so it's like chipping away at an ice block, you know, 
every little bit hurts. You know, you have to change the way you were thinking means you have to throw out some of the ways you were thinking and adopt new ways to think about the world, about yourself, about God. So it's it's part of, it's a process. And God, the Holy Spirit, does a good job with it, but I, I am not in any way saying it is easy. And I think down here we talk about humility to some degree. It is important that we trust God. We recognize that we don't know. We understand where we came from and are willing for God to take us and lead us somewhere. So, but thanks for that comment thought. We're going to end it. We're going to close at this point. And, um, but next week we got a lot more to cover, more of uh, this transformation, renewing your mind process that's, that's ahead of us here. It's the only way we're going to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. We thank you for those who have joined. And Father, we pray for the families of those who are here, asking your healing. Uh, you know whatever's on our hearts. I don't know it all, but you know, Father, the hearts of those who are here and what is concerning us and what we're worried about. And you, you told us to put all of our care on you because we know you have the power and the means and the wisdom to deal with whatever we bring to you. So we thank you for this study. We pray that we will understand this process and we will submit to this process so that we can grow in Christ into the fullness and stature of him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.